We mentioned fidelity, and don't forget faithfulness. Faithfulness. Remember how Jesus Christ is faithful to you. We have a lot of work to do when it comes to faithfulness. But those are the various synonyms we have for the word commitment. There's a lot that can be said about not making a commitment to do something until you're ready to do it. You know, don't make a promise to do something or don't commit to something really big unless you're ready to do it. Amen? Do you know where I'm going with this? When you make a decision, for example, to get married, you better be ready. You better know what you're doing. You better be ready to deal with the consequences that take place when you say, I want to get married. Many people make commitments to themselves they can't even keep, let alone the ones they make with others. You promise yourself you're going to do something. Oh, yeah, I'm going to take care of this over here. You know, when it comes to some simple stuff around the house, we stumble. Make a promise to do something you know it needs to be done. Oh, I got to take the trash outside. You know, why do you got to wait until the trash is stinking up the house before you take it outside? You follow what I'm saying? You know you need to do it. But we have trouble with simple stuff. So when it comes to the big stuff, boy, we really can blow it. If we're not taking the proper time to pay attention and, frankly, allowing God to speak to us. Don't get ahead of God when it comes to very important areas of commitment. And even have him help you for those things that are kind of seem small. Because if you can't handle the small things, you will not handle the big things well. Amen? I hear the kids saying amen. And some of the adults are like staring at me. What? When a couple, for example, says that they're in love and they want to get married. Here we go. Is there consideration given to what the commitment of marriage really means? Think about that. Love is not just the lovey-dovey stuff with hearts. And smiley faces. Amen? Do I need to repeat that? Love is not just the lovey-dovey stuff with hearts and smiley faces. This generation knows all about hearts and smiley faces. Amen? That's how they write everything. They could be writing a term paper at school and probably put hearts and smiley faces on that for the professor. I didn't know what I was doing, heart, smiley face. Amen. They know what that means. But that's not what love is all about. That's just the beginning stuff. That's just the stuff where, you know, you're close to somebody and you go, and you start gushing. But that's not the love that's going to last. You know, my lovely bride and I are still on our honeymoon. Okay? We've been married 10 years. Amen? 
But we also know that it's a commitment. There's a lot that has happened in 10 years. Most of it very good. But a lot of it is endurance. And not because we're enduring each other. It's life that we're enduring. Amen? Our best example of a lasting commitment is in God's covenant with his people. If you want an example about what to look to, look at God's covenant with his people. Especially the covenant that Jesus Christ has with us. Amen? Turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. I'd like to give you a couple verses to kind of give you an idea of the relationship that God has with us. And it's great how Jesus Christ gives us these examples. It's one thing for me to tell you about where to look. But his examples are great examples for us to live our lives and understand what we're going through, what we're dealing with. Ezekiel 37 And this is about the covenant that he has with us. We're going to look at verses 26 through 28. Ezekiel 37, verses 26 through 28. Now notice we're starting in the Old Testament. We're starting in the Old Testament because this covenant that God has with his people, with us, Israel, however you want to phrase it, has been in effect since Abraham and was frankly in effect since Adam. So this is far from anything new. It's an ongoing relationship that he has with us. In Ezekiel 37, verses 26 to 28, I'm going to be reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible Version. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant with them. I will establish and multiply them and will set my sanctuary among them forever. Well, that's a long time, isn't it? Amen. Verse 27, my dwelling place will be with them. That's the epitome of God being with us. Amen? Amen. I will be their God and they will be my people. When my sanctuary is among them forever, the nations will know that I, Yahweh, or God, sanctify Israel. That's part one. Now turn over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We're fast forwarding. John chapter 1 verse 14. Now notice how he said in the previous verse about making his dwelling among us. Look at what it says in John 1.14. The Word became flesh. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Hello? Amen. Just making sure you're with me. And took up residence among us. Took up residence. Took up residence among us. Dwelling. Residence. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the covenant. He is with us. He is protecting us. He is with us. He is dwelling with us. One more. 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. Now note, You see the the amazing consistency of our Lord. Amen? 
Now, we went from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Now we're going to go to the epistles, and we're going to see the amazing consistency of communication of our Lord about how he has this covenant with us, and he uses the same terminology, the same phrases all throughout Scripture to show the type of relationship he has with us. It says in verse 16, 2 Corinthians 6, And what agreement does God's sanctuary have with idols? For we are the sanctuary of the living God. As God said, I will dwell among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Now let me explain something to you. Any God who wants a relationship to dwell with us must love us. And why do I say that? Let's look at it from a human perspective. When things aren't going well in a relationship with someone, what do you want to do? Get out of the house! You don't want any part of that. Somebody's giving you a hard time. Oh, I won't go there. Kids giving you a hard time, they're grown. Well, how old are you? Are you 18? It's time for you to find your own place. If you won't go and abide by the rules of this house, sometimes there's tough love in that. It doesn't mean you don't love them, but you don't want them around you if they're going to give you a hard time. Ain't no child going to put me in the grave worrying about their behavior. That's not good for me. The point is, is that God wants to dwell with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be close to you because he loves you. That's what he wants. It's consistent throughout Scripture. These verses show you that God has been pursuing his people throughout history. Amen. For the purpose of having a relationship, a loving relationship. He wouldn't talk about dwelling with you if he didn't have a loving relationship for you. A loving relationship requires commitment. God made the commitment to have this loving relationship with you from the time of Adam. Amen? The time of Adam and all the way through till today. In any relationship, it will stand or collapse based upon the level of commitment. Stand or collapse. A strong union will be able to rejoice when times are good and endure when times aren't so good. God must be the source of strength and encouragement in any relationship. You know, one of the things that when you go through marital counseling, for example, we talk about stuff like this. We don't talk about hearts and flowers and smiley faces because that's understood. It's already there. But now you start talking about the hard stuff. The stuff that happens after you get married. The stuff that happens after the honeymoon. When you start looking at the bills. You start looking at what you need to do to 
keep the relationship going. Responsibilities. You look at the hard stuff. It's a commitment. Let's go back to one of those verses that we talked about earlier about the ones chosen for this wedding ceremony this weekend. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Let's look at this one. Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 through 12. Now, this is a very interesting verse. And this is far from the only time you'll see this when using a wedding setting or whatever it is. But I want you to look at the interesting way that this is presented. A husband and wife relationship, when we talk about a unity between two people, remember we said the commitment level must be equal within that relationship or it's not going to work very well. Let's look at this verse. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. In verse 10, for if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Think about that. When a person struggles, the spouse is supposed to be there to lift the other person up through difficulty. Amen? Amen. Now, that has nothing to do with how the other person feels. You're supposed to be there for your husband. You're supposed to be there for your wife. It doesn't have anything to do with how you feel. Kind words, encouraging words, make all the difference in a situation like this. Let's continue. Verse 11, also, if two lie down together, can they keep warm? In theory, no. But how can one person alone keep warm? That is talking about the relationship, togetherness in the relationship. Remember what they used to do in the old days on TV? (laughs) Some of you old timers will remember this. And this had to do with standards and practices back in the day in the 50s with TV. They show a couple... There are two beds in the bedroom. Amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Two beds in the bedroom. Not one bed. Couldn't do that on TV back in the day. Had to be two, two different beds. The husband gets in one bed. The wife gets in the other bed. Good night, honey. Turn the lights out. Now, I got to tell you something. Was there anybody that you knew practicing this back in the 50s? No, they had to do it for TV. But you see how the problem, the problem we have here is that that wasn't even real life we were talking about. It's about one person being in the bed with the other person keeping warm, not in two separate beds. Well, obviously that's changed today. We don't have to worry about that on TV anymore. Mercy. If anything, it's gone the wrong direction. So verse 12, and if, here's where I was trying to get to. And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. There is strength in unity. You ever hear that before? A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Amen? There is strength in unity. 
In a marriage, two of the strands represent the husband and wife. Now, depending upon what research you do, the third strand can represent the presence of God in your life. Because that makes a tremendous difference. Three strands are not easy to break, but it requires a husband and a wife to stand together, even in disagreements. Stand together. At the end of the day, you can agree to disagree about something. But at the end of the day, stand together. Don't let petty arguments. You know, people argue about stuff that's so stupid sometimes. And you wonder why they can't get along because they haven't matured enough to get past the point where you're having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Why are you letting something stupid get in the way of that? Is it your pride? Pride will destroy a relationship. Amen? Because you're putting your focus on yourself, not on the other person. Marriage is a commitment to live faithfully and without holding grudges. Amen? Now, now hold on. I know there are more married people in this room than there are single people. And y'all the quietest married folks I've ever heard. And you know I'm telling you the truth. We're all, we're all friends here. Let me repeat that sentence because there was, I think the kids said more than this one than the, the adults did. Marriage is a commitment to live faithfully and without holding grudges. That's much better. Don't let the kids shame y'all. Some of us have been married long enough now where the honeymoon might be over. And the reality of life has kicked in. Amen? Well, here's some free relationship advice. Men, ladies don't like to be ignored when they speak to you. I knew someone was going to perk up when I started that. Ladies, men don't like to be nagged. Men, this is equal opportunity here. <laughs> Men, ladies, want to be honored and feel safe in your presence. Ladies, men want to be respected and appreciated. You guys are falling down on this one. I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to help you out. All of those things we just talked about are recognition of the other person in a relationship. Recognition of the other person. 
what they need, what they desire, what they want in the relationship. And you have to pay attention to that. You can't blow it off. Here is where this commitment of love has to be at the forefront of your marriage. All marriages, and even in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13. We're focusing on marriage a little bit, but we're also talking about how you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. All of this ties together. If you didn't pick up on that. Now we've read these verses before, but we're going to read them now with emphasis. Because this is so important for you to see. And look at the words being used about love. Now this, the love that we're talking about is not the lovey-dovey love that we've been talking about. This is a different type of love. The love that counts. The love that matters. Over time. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not conceited, does not act improperly, is not selfish, is not provoked, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness but rejoices in the truth. Look at verse 7, everyone. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, what does that mean? All of you are participants in life. Amen? And you have seen life happen before your eyes every day. And what that means is that you're going to run into all kinds of stuff. And you're going to run into stuff that sometimes can affect your relationship. You run into stuff every day that affects your relationship with Jesus Christ. Love endures all things, no matter what comes your way, no matter what happens. Don't forget the verses that says it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. You don't keep grudges. You don't hold a grudge. Because remember something, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Amen? All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. None of us is exempt from that statement. So when you start keeping a record when somebody's messing up, you're putting yourself before that other person and not recognizing you sin too. Now, there's a way you address that, obviously. You don't come back to somebody and say, well, you sinned too, chump. Because now you just messed up yourself. Even if you're right. You don't talk down to someone because they mess up. Even if you're right. 
Where is your humility? God says to humble yourself before him and he will exalt you. When you humble yourself before him, that means your words will be much kinder, much gentler, much more encouraging. Remember the strands? If you're talking about somebody like they're a dog or cussing them out, God is not glorified in that. Because your so-called righteousness is like a filthy rag to him when you act that way. Amen? Note the words used in this passage to describe describe true love. Not just lovey-dovey love. Not envious. Not boastful. Not conceited. Not acting improperly. Not selfish. Not provoking. Not holding grudges. Love is all about patience, kindness, truth, righteousness, unselfishness, unselfishness, and endurance. Marriage is a commitment for the long haul. And true love will get you through the long haul. Amen? The true love. Lovey-dovey love will not get you through the long haul. It won't. I promise you. It won't. That's why you have to look at what love really is. Love is a commitment. Jesus Christ made a commitment to love us for the long haul. Amen? A commitment to love us for the long haul. He loves us and showed it through his sacrifice for us for all eternity. And we know that in John chapter 3, 16. But don't ever forget verse 17. Verse 17 is really important. Three sixteen. Let's turn to that. John 3, 16 and 17. Let's take a look at that. We rattle off John 3.16 a lot, but we need to also include verse 17. Because that is not something to be ignored. In other words, I guess I'm just flat out telling you, it's not enough for you to say something like John 3.16 and not add verse 17 with it. Because that's what you need to do. You need to give people a reason why. Jesus Christ did what he did. And that's what you're going to do right here. Look what it says. Verse 16. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son. Notice how he says God loved the world. Love. It's an act of love. That he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Might be saved means you have to decide you want to be saved. That's what it means. You have to make a decision to be saved. If somebody throws you a life raft, you're out there drowning, you've got to take the life raft. You have to decide to do that, though. Don't leave it out. 
All that Jesus wants of us is a commitment to complete that relationship with him. He is extending his grace to you. You need to complete the relationship by acknowledging him as Lord and Savior. Amen? Because that's on you to do that. That's on you to do that. You're completing that relationship. He hasn't changed. He's still who he is. He still has the covenant with his people. We're the ones that break the covenant. Amen? Loving Jesus Christ is a commitment, and the benefit is for all eternity. Amen? Let's take a look at 1 John chapter 4. 1 John 4. Now, when we say love is a commitment, and we've said it several times, I want you to see the intensity of God's love for us and how we are to reciprocate that in our relationship with other people. And this can be with a relationship between your family, your parents, whatever it is, your husband, wife, whatever it is. But you need to understand the intensity of this love. If you believe in Jesus Christ, this is a way of life. And you have no excuses if you really understand God's love for you. Amen? Y'all getting quiet again because you know what this is about. Here it comes. Dear friends, let us love one another. Well, if we can stop right there for some of us. This verse may not mean anything to us because we're not practicing this love that we're supposed to be. But I'll continue anyway. Because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. John is telling you the truth. Verse 8. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. Verse 9. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 10, love consists in this, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We had a discussion this morning in Sunday school about working out your salvation. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. This is the epitome of that. As you learn and grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you are developing as a person where now these verses won't repel you to the point where you don't believe you can do any of this stuff. As you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you will be able to love people the way God sees those people, as opposed to how you see those people.
that's the very nature of how people had to see black people differently in the civil rights movement. They had to see love and those individuals in a different way than the way they were being seen. The way they were taught. The way they grew up. That's what we're talking about, a transformation. But God is in the midst of that transformation. Amen? Do you understand this, what I'm saying to you? You are being transformed daily as you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You are being transformed daily. It's that thing called sanctification. You are becoming greater and greater in your faith, in your development as a believer. What did we say earlier? When you become a believer, it doesn't stop there. It's the beginning. You're still growing. You're making a commitment to grow. So with this knowledge, is there something you need to evaluate in your own relationship with your husband? With your wife? With members of your family? Or even with Jesus Christ? What do you need to evaluate? What do you need to look at? In any relationship that's worth having and keeping, love is a commitment. Love is a commitment. One more set of verses. Matthew 22. Matthew 22. Verses 36 through 40. And we'll close out. If you want to summarize or sum up the most important things for you to remember as a takeaway for today, it's remembering how God loved you before you even knew what it was to love someone. Amen? God loved you before you even knew what love was all about. And that's a big amen. Because we, don't have any, we didn't have any knowledge of God until we had to be told about him. But he loved you before you even knew about him. Verse 36, Matthew 22. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? Now, this question was asked by one of the Pharisees to try to set up Jesus. That's okay. He would not be caught off guard by this comment. So he just broke it out to you. He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. Love him. How do you do that? You develop your relationship with him. You don't have the ability on your own to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. You need the Spirit to help you with that. You have to allow the Spirit to do that. Yet, that's a command that he gives to you. So you are working through this every day to allow this to happen. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? Your husband, your wife, your family, 
your friends, your co-workers. Those are your neighbors. That's true love. When you understand the love relationship you have with Jesus Christ, you will be able to love your neighbors. You will understand what love truly is to love your neighbors. Love them and see them the way that God sees them. Not how you see them. We have neighbors. There are people that you drive by when you go home. We got a guy we drive by. He puts trash in his yard. He's got stuff. He's got tires stacked up in the backyard. He's, and we've, we're blessed because we don't live by the guy. But, of course, there are people that live by this guy. Trash all piled up. These garbage cans. He burns everything. We call him Pyro Pete. Burns everything in sight. Has tires stacked up. Not, not that they're thrown all over, but they're stacked up. But that's a neighbor. So now you've got to make a transformation if you live next to somebody like this and say, okay, this guy is driving down my property values. Or you can see the person the way God sees him. His creation. He created him just like he created you. Love your neighbor. Jesus Christ has made this commitment for you. If you don't have a commitment to him, now's your chance. Love is a commitment. Understand what that means. Seek him in all things and humble yourself. And you will see love the way he sees it and how you should behave in turn. Amen? Father, we are thankful that you give us truths in your word. Sometimes the truth is very difficult. But Lord, we just know that even in that difficulty, we need to humble ourselves and hear how you speak to us. We thank you for those lessons that you give us. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you've made that commitment to have a relationship with us. Help us to see the value of that commitment in our own relationships as well as in our relationship with you. We are thankful for how you teach us through the Holy Spirit. We are thankful for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are thankful that you give us the desire to continue to work through everything you tried to teach us for greater understanding. We thank you now also for helping us to remember those things we need to say to people that are our loved ones, people that are close to us. Saying the words that will edify and not tear down. Saying the words that will encourage and not discourage. Saying the words that will uplift and not tear down. We thank you for those examples of love that you give us. We thank you for showing us the level of commitment it takes. Bless us now, Lord. Bless our families. Bless our children. And we thank you for those promises you keep for us. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
If you're here and you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, then you need to make a commitment to him. He has made the provision and the commitment for you to have that eternal relationship with him. For all men have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And every single one of us needs a Savior. We need Him to be our atonement for our sin. By recognizing that He is Lord and Savior of your life, it will happen instantaneously. But even from there, that's just the beginning. There's so much more to learn about this glorious God that we serve. Amen? Father, we pray for those individuals that do not know you, even if in their, they are in our midst today. And we pray, Lord, that you will just give them the encouragement to seek you in spite of what Satan would do to detract from that or take away from that. We pray that you are the great overcomer and you do overcome Satan. And we ask that you bless us now, Lord, and help that person to seek you in all things. And we give you praise and thanks and also in remembrance of those in our family members and friends and people who don't know you. We lift them up to you right now, Lord. And we pray for a glorious outcome where we'll be rejoicing as the angels rejoice when a person chooses to follow you. And we give you praise and all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Offering. Father, we ask that you bless this offering right now. And we thank you for allowing it to be used by you. Multiply it and have the funds be used where they need to go. And we thank you and give you all praise for this ministry in Jesus' name. Amen.